he's never seen me fight live. He, he his news in school on uh, Monday is going to be. I flew to Boston and watched my dad fight in the UFC. And you're going to split your bonus with him if you get it. No, definitely, but he says he's going to scream. Um, he's Sign of him? He's already, yeah. Paul's really nice like that, you know. He doesn't need the money. In fact, he just jacked up him walking and all. The chap's loud. My dream is to be world champion, world lightweight champion in the UFC, have more money than I know what to do with, and have a great life for my, my kids, my grandkids, everyone in my, in my family, everyone that's, that's come up with me. That's my dream. Say some nice words there. Bonjour. Je m'appelle Sean. C'est Ilia. Uh, le DCM. I, I can't. I can't speak French anymore for that. Episode 32 of the Severe MMA podcast has started. Sean Sheehan thought we were doing a sound check, but instead Bonjour. I got him to speak French. <laughs> Comment tu t'appelles? Je m'appelle Andrew. Oh, c'est, c'est bon. Très bon. Is that not it? No. Mais oui. That's about the that's about the extent of my French. You're getting ready to interview uh, Tom Dukenwater and Batman in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm just I'm gonna arrive at Bama with a a striped white and a navy top and a beret <laughs> with a baguette in your hand. Yeah, I'm gonna be in character. I'm gonna look like a cuisine de France uh, person. Oh God, Asher. Ah, at least you'll get him defeated at home anyway. So. Right. How have you been? You sound a lot better. You sound I, like you're, yeah. you've are you no longer got someone clung the inside of your throat out. Yeah, I feel better now. My cough is gone. My sore throat is gone. My, no, my, my nose is finally unclogging. It's just it's a little bit left. But I'm the final throws of man flu are... You've, you've just beaten them off. I've beaten them off, yeah. It's, I've come through the other end. Like it wasn't... They're it the was touch and go for a while. Me. It was touch and go for a while. I was touch and go for a while I thought I was going to die there at one stage but uh, I came through it it sounded like you were about to laugh there but the pain in your throat just prevented a, a hearty bellow yeah that was it after I did um, after I did the Legion of Doom thing last week it, I, I thought it was going to send me over the edge and nearly choked to death that's it and what about yesterday deadline day ah uh, lord it was terrible crap or, deadline day it's terrible but it's crap every year now it's just rubbish there's no more big sign well United signed Anthony Marshall or something but like United sold about 7 players in and bought one I was Jesus I was fair depressed yesterday I was just waiting for it to end so I'm uh, like it's bad enough for me what it must be like for you Arsenal only signed Petr Cech all season all deadline there are all freaking transfer window Um. yeah pretty much yeah couldn't uh, uh, as as much as I enjoyed all of the Arsene Wenger gifts on Facebook yesterday um, about him not spending any money. A little yeah. bit disappointed. I do think people are overreacting about Arsenal not having a striker because as long as Danny Welbeck can make himself fit again, I know. Yeah, I know that's kind of clutching at straws. But between him, Walcott, Sanchez, Giroud. Do you know, there is... I think you're just kind of waiting for them all to, to gel, like... Yeah, I think if you can keep Sanchez fit for the for the whole year, or most of it anyway, he'll do, he'll do okay. But I don't think they're going to win the league or anything. Will they win their fourth-place trophy, though? Probably, more than likely. I don't think Man United are going to get it now. After yesterday, I'm fucking depressed. We've no striker, like, unless, unless this Marshall is the, the next coming to Pele or something. Which is unlikely. Spurs bid £10 million for him earlier on in the summer. Monaco wanted 20 Spurs said no thank you United come in with 50 <laughs> I what was logic 36 they got him for did you see the brilliant uh, the brilliant thing uh, ripping the piss out of Supermarket Sweep on Facebook yesterday do you remember Supermarket Sweep mm, I don't think so what was what? it what Dale Winton used to present it I used to be a oh. child watching it it used to be my favourite show in the world when I was younger where do you go around with the, the thing around the supermarket and yeah, try to get as much stuff as I can? Yeah, go around with a trolley, yeah. pulling all the stuff in, and there was a picture, it was a video of Supermarket Sweep, but with Louis Van Gaal's head on it, just <laughs> running around in the last day on deadline day. And getting one thing, fuck it. So aside <sighs> from that, the best signing of all over the last week occurred a couple of days ago, allegedly. Fedor Emelianenko signing with the UFC. Yeah, Combat Press reported it. Yeah, Combat Press reported it the other day. Ariel went away and uh, went to what's his name, Valdrum Finkelstein or something like that. Um, who was Fedor's manager back in the day? Who was in with um, 
M1 and all that. Uh, he's still, he's, I don't see now an advisor, or he's still his manager, but over the last few years, obviously, Fair hasn't been fighting, so the kind of um, the links are a bit uh, less than they used to be. But anyway, Ariel got on to him, and he said that the deal, there's no deal yet. There hasn't been a deal done, and if he's likely to fight, it's going to be in Russia or something that, along to those effects, anyway. But that's not. That's not to say he's going to fight in Russia. That's not to say he's not signed with the UFC. There was UFC nothing Russia. concrete. Exactly, yeah, it could be that. There was nothing concrete there. But um, I think, yeah, Combat Press, they're, they're, there's good guys working over there. They've broken a good few things over the last while. So I don't think there's much um, there's much reason to doubt them. So it, it's tough, though. It's hard to believe, isn't it? I, not I, because of them, but it's hard to believe Fedor in the UFC. Like, it's... It's weird. It's like something you you thought had never happened. Like um, it's just an absolutely obviously a legend of the sport, beating some of the best guys ever. Um, we we've talked about him a bit before, but at this stage now, if he, if he is signed, like he'd probably be fighting starting next year, maybe two or three months in. Who would you match him up with at this stage? You see, I'd be very wary about matching him up because. Like Ben Rothwell could probably beat Fedor at this stage. Is that too too bold of me to say? No, it's not. Ben Rothwell is tough. Like, and imagine how like how much of an anti climax that would be for. Oh, the last emperor has returned. Ben Rothwell kills Fedor in one round. Like Fedor's mm. end to his mixed martial arts career was probably one of the most underwhelming things. Well, at least his US based mixed martial arts career was one of the most underwhelming saddest things that you'll ever see in your life do you know what for talk's sake get him to fight Dan Henderson at heavyweight back in the UFC that's so yeah. I'm okay with that I would say yeah that or Anderson Silva even I, I, I like I'd say Anderson Silva would fight anyway at all when he's coming back in uh, February that'd be okay but like there, there's a big thing with Fedor like do you put him on that kind of circuit kind of the old guy circuit like um, who's I mean, who's fighting? Like uh, Rampage came in and fight uh, fought Maldonado. Or, like there's a talks about like Rampage and Mark Hunt and uh, who fought Little Nog fought Shogun and stuff like that. Like all guys fighting each other. Like do you put him in against an older guy, maybe like a Mark Hunt or a Josh Barnett or maybe Frank Mir if he loses, or do you put him in like against one of the top guys? Do you give him like say if Overeem beats JDS or if JDS beats Overeem one of those, or do you give him whoever wins Kane and Verdun like? It's tough to know where you put him. I'd be thinking because he's been out. What has he been out like three years? Maybe give, I think you give him a fight. You can't put him straight into title fight. There's a lot of people saying Verdum. I can see why they're saying Verdum because he's, if Fedor, like if he's not left, if he if he's totally shot at this stage of his career, like which like it could happen and it wouldn't be anything against him or his legacy because like three years out of the cage, no messing with that. But like if you gave him Verdum. At least you'd be making kind of use of him. Like the UFC, we know their relationship with Fedor. Like they'll, uh, I don't think they'll be too uh, too bothered about you know what how well he does. Exactly. Yeah, I, I so, wouldn't be surprised if they bury him. Yeah. Like, can you you imagine, him, like? like, can you not imagine Dana just like we've got him? We're gonna make as much money as possible off him. Let's give him a fight that he's gonna lose. Yeah, that's why. That's why I'm thinking Verdum if he wins. They could that rematch is there, like and like it's easy to um, it's easy to promote that rematch. I could see it happening, but if I, if it was for me, like you look like if Ken Velasquez coming back after what was it eighteen months out there, I know he had injuries and stuff as well, but for or Fedor hasn't been training or fighting or anything. You looked at him coming back against Verdum and like he was a different fighter. He was he was so rusty, like he didn't look himself at all. If he had a fight, like if he had a fight against someone. Not as good as Verdum and didn't fight Verdum. It probably would have been a different story. I like to see that Fedor, like even even Bigfoot Silva, someone like that after he fights Mark Hunt, giving someone like that or give him uh, Ryan Nelson or like that's that's a good fight. Um, just to just to uh, give him a warm up before he takes on a bigger fight. That's the way I'd like to see him go. But it's tough to know how they're going to go. Like I, my heart says or my head says, if they do sign him. I think they're going to give him, put him straight in at the top. I could see him give him a title shot straight away because the division is so light. Like it's just been a roundabout of Kane Velasquez Junior dos Santos for Rizzo Verdum for like five years. It's just been so long. Like and um, I think it needs a bit of change. 
title shot now, I think maybe... <coughs> the UFC have done worse. The UFC have <coughs> made matches that raise more eyebrows, I suppose, than Fedor coming in. With the UFC hype machine, they're definitely able to spin Warrant and give Fedor an immediate title shot. But, like, leaning towards the winner of Mir versus Arlovsky, am I too hopeful in thinking that they're going to announce it this weekend or after yeah. those two fight? Maybe. Imagine if Fedor was there the weekend. He is this weekend they're fighting, yeah. Imagine if he was there Cloaked. this weekend. They brought him, yeah, they brought him with a mask sitting cage side they brought him into the cage after the oh fight oh my god that was Especially. the worst thing in the world Bellator <laughs> it was Justin McCulley of all people I, Jesus I, Christ I still don't know who Justin McCulley is <laughs> that's like a, deadline day at your club massive <laughs> sign and they're bringing someone out and it's Tony or something that gets unrevealed Emil Heskey <laughs> yeah oh, great news guys proven like Wayne Rooney is in turmoil you know he's gonna leave United we're signing a proven international goal scorer it's Emil Heskey <laughs> David De Gea arrives at, back at Man United's training ground with fucking Steve McLaren clocked <laughs> underneath oh, back. that was uh-huh. that, that, that is exactly what I'd love like fair enough people always say UFC shouldn't be too much like pro wrestling make it like pro wrestling do stuff like, like that it. make it better like people are gonna get behind that sort of stuff yeah, it's grand. Like once you keep it outside the cage, like or well, well, even in the game, but not during the fight. Like once it's once all the, that stuff is uh, outside of the actual fights themselves, it's grand. I see no harm in it. But um, yeah, that like imagine if it was Arlovsky and Fedor again. You could show like they own that clip now of the Affliction fight where um where Fedor knocked him out. Like imagine uh, the promotion that went out. It'd be unbelievable. It'd be great. Oh well. That's why I'm kind of hoping for the Arlovsky one, but then at the same time, same time that guy who does a bit of freelance work for MMA Junkie, Doctor, uh, the is his name Benjamin, Johnny Benjamin, yeah. uh, he put up something yesterday like the ones that we know about anyway, fourteen KOs or TKOs between Mir and Arlovsky, so that's not including what's happened in training. And to be honest, I'm starting to kind of agree with him on this sort of thing that guys like that maybe should not really be putting themselves. Yeah. once a year sort of thing fair enough let them recover let them keep fighting let them recover but have longer suspensions as the guys get older depending on more concussions and knockouts that they've taken I agree with that but Arlovsky has kind of his chin has improved again I know people don't like to hear that and I, I don't think I agree with you though Yeah, his chin was a lot worse a few years ago like I think he's time more serious of fighting fighting guys that weren't as good as he'd be fighting in, in the UFC and fighting um like if you look at his record, he fought when he left um, Strike Force. I mean, uh, after his time with the UFC, like he fought guys like Ray Lopez, Travis Fulton, Devin Cole, Mike Hayes. Okay, he got uh, Death he row. lost he lost Anthony Johnson, but didn't get knocked out by Anthony Johnson. More series of fighting, fought Mike Kyle. Like and since he's come back to the UFC, then he hasn't been knocked out either. He's won he's won three in a row. So like there was a time there he lost and was a three or four fights in a row. After he lost to Fedor and stuff, he got knocked out a couple of times pretty brutally. But that's a long time ago. Like that, what's that? Like 2011 was his last knockout. So that's five years ago. Like I think he's had time to re- to recover since then. And like people uh, do say a chin. Well, I was gonna say people say a chin doesn't recover, but uh, yeah. the last feature Severe made did on Own Roddy about when he was going through all his own fights. He said after his first real war, he couldn't take a jab for a year. Yeah. that he would get like dazed from a jab and everything like that so maybe like I was always of the opinion that chins don't recover until I heard Onradi talk about it in that interview so yeah, you, you saw Freddie Roach as well like he said after Manny Pacquiao got knocked out that time against um, one man Will Marquez maybe two or three years ago that, like he said he's not fighting for a year that's it he's he's off for a year and I'm not letting him back for a year he needs his chin needs time to recover and I think the worst thing about concussions and knockouts and stuff like that is as you say, people going back in too quickly. The suspension should be longer and stuff. They should be given time, time to recover. And um, I think I think you can recover. Obviously, over time we've seen it in Ireland knockouts, as well. Yeah, with knockouts, like if you take five or six knockouts over time, it's all going to catch up with you eventually. Like, but if you take care of yourself after one, I think you can recover. You're not going to obviously recover 100, percent but you can recover a good bit. So uh, we yeah. have seen it in Ireland as well. Well, at least I think so. I'm going to wait and find out. With Bama coming up, Fabio Vidi was scheduled to fight Keith Cody in a lightweight fight. A couple of weeks ago, Fabio Vidi took a pretty bad beating against Dylan Sheehan from Trials MMA in Cork. And 
after that fight immediately I thought Fabio Vito isn't going to be able to fight at Bama do you know what I mean he's, he's going yeah. to be pulled out there's no way he is going to be allowed to fight and then he's out of the fight so whether it was uh, safe MMA his coach anything like that um, that pulled him out then that's it's a good sign like yeah have you yeah. seen uh, it was on Facebook today Britain's worst boxer no I didn't see that uh, oh, I'm trying to find his name here he's 2 and 51 oh gee yeah there's, a, there's guys like that in uh, Sherdog as well you see and a lot of he, um, he won his first fight he won his first fight in 2006 or 2008 has been on a 9 year skid since then and uh, won his last fight there at the weekend Nice. Oh, he won one. That's yeah, sweet. so he's now 2 and 50. Nice. Or 2 and 51 or something like that. If so at first you don't succeed, try and try again. Trying, but he had his uh, license revoked a couple of times over that period of years. He was given longer suspensions for his chin to recover because he kept getting knocked out in these fights. Yeah. There you go. Uh, sure. Irish MMA needs that. UK MMA has it. We need journeymen. We need independent fighters that'll show up and take a beating. We've actually never had it over here for whatever reason. Uh, maybe it's there aren't enough shows. What? There aren't enough shows to do it, are there? Um, to be fair, there are enough shows. I just don't think there's anyone at the level or stupid enough yet to have gone in and done it. Because you have to have to accept that the UK MMA scene has been a- around for a lot longer time than the Irish MMA scene. That's why all the Irish guys had to go over to the UK, and, like John Cavan and Dave Jones, to fight over there. So... Give it time. We're going to see a couple of independent fighters in Ireland. You know, the guy that arrives in a in a wife beater, <laughs> gets padded up, goes in, fights someone. We're going to see pro records being padded in Ireland in the next couple of years, I think. Well, speaking of uh, Irish fighters who've been on the local scene for ages, oh, there was... Nice since, segue. Since this time last week, we got two more fighters on UFC uh, Dublin. Ashling Daly's fighting Erica Almeida. And just this morning, it was announced that Neil Seary is fighting... Um, He's fighting uh, John De Los Reyes, the Guam man. What Guam, do you think of those? Big Islander. Guam. From Guam, yeah. <coughs> Neil Seary likes fighting Islanders. That's the way oh, I'm yeah. looking at it. That was actually, yeah. And there is, like, whether you believe it or not, I'm leaning on the side, looking through martial arts history, even looking at jiu-jitsu history, some of the guys that have come from mad places like that. And there's something different about men that are stuck in an island. BJ Penn. Mad, yeah. Oh, there's, yeah, for years. Like, Smolka, Mike Carbolito, he's an Atos brown belt under Andre Galvao, and he's an absolute nutcase. He's got one of the most exciting styles, exciting games in Jiu Jitsu, and he's from Guam as well. Am I am I talking shit here? Is there some is there some sort of proof to my theory? No, you're talking shit. Talking no, shit. Okay, no, moving no, onward. No, yeah. uh, no, but that's been like for years and Oppression. years. Like, <laughs> even like the small islands off the coast of Ireland, like. All the Marylanders are known as being mad bastards. Like it's it's like been, the Iron yeah. Islands. Yeah, and like Valencia down in South Kerry and have you been in Valencia? Like, like all of those islands are like I've a, my cousins have a house on some island off the course of uh, coast of Galway, and it's a crazy. They say it's a crazy place. Like there's one butcher, there's whatever. Like everybody knows everybody, and when people come onto the island that aren't actually from there, they're treated like absolute outcasts. Like they yeah. still speak all speak Irish. The only reason they were welcomed onto the island is because they had an ancestor that once lived there. So it was like, oh, open arms sort of thing. But if they hadn't have had that ancestor, it would have been like, no, get out. Yeah, but Dennis Race as well, he's like, uh, for a flyweight, it's amazing. I was just looking at his record there. He's only gone to decision once in 12 fights and he lost that decision. Like he's won eight fights, he's won five by submission, three by KO. Like for a. For a flyweight, that's that's unbelievable. Like it's you rarely see that. Like his three, his second fight in the UFC, he fought Kyoji Haraguchi, and um, like he was put straight into the fire. But his first one was against uh, Dustin Kamara. But that's the kind, that's the type of guy you want to fight in the yeah, series. Like, that's exactly like, what I was gonna say. It's gonna be an exciting fight. Like I'm <coughs> when I heard like if serious there was talk about Sirius being put onto the card for a while. This is the exact type of fight you want him in. Like I think it's gonna be really exciting. To, it's a great one for the fans. Like out of all the Irish fighters, apart from maybe McGregor, Siri is the most exciting. Like so, it's great to have him on the card. I was just about to say that. I was like, we've spoke about it before in the past. Say comparing Neil, like when people are saying, "Oh, will Siri fight Paddy?" and how they're on different career trajectory paths. Series towards the end, Paddy's at the start. Do you think that the UFC will deliberately give Siri matchups like this? 
because they've seen how exciting that he is. They know that he's going to bring it. They know that the level of the fight, the standard, the excitement, the energy in, their, in the arena that Neil Seary generates from his fights. Do you think that this is the way forward for Neil, just given these sort of matchups? I think it is, yeah, because like the people, like the Hargrove fans, you see, um, you know, Grab AK, Hitman, Capoza over on, on Twitter, like, he's a big fan of Neil Seary every time he fights it's like you see a lot of those people you know, that say like oh violence so they love like Carlos Condit fans and yeah. Matt Brown fans they love Neil Seary like, the Jordan like, Breen all violence team yeah exactly I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if Neil Seary makes the sure dog all violence team for this year genuinely yeah he's like Seary's a really exciting like isn't like non-Irish people really like him as well just for his style but uh, he has that no-nonsense style, doesn't he? Like, he, he said it there, like, every every time he's interviewed, and, like, if you talk to him, it's just, he goes out, he likes to have a fight, that's it, and uh, if he loses, he loses, if he wins, he wins, but he's going to give it his all every time, like, and how can you fault that? Like, it's it's exciting, and he's, a, he's the type of guy, like, you never want to see him, like, he's 2-2 two two in the UFC, but, like, if he loses, they're not going to cut him, I think, he, like, remember Brad, Brad Pickett a few years ago when he was on a bit of a skid they, they were like no we're not cutting him he's too exciting same with Dan Hardy like guys like that I think Siri is one of those guys like he'll probably retire before he's cut he's he's shoving on a bit now you know he's an old man he'll he'll, uh, <laughs> he'll probably retire and watch um, a few uh, Liverpool games Liverpool losing before uh, he, he hates Liverpool now anyway so it doesn't matter he's done with football it was his birthday actually there the other day happy birthday oh even better Carl happy Pindrick birthday well. to Carl P- oh you yes. beat me to it I got it <laughs> I'm actually inter- imagine the best birthday present Carl Pendred could ask for an interview with Andrew McGahan later on in the evening oh How, what a delight I'm getting one today I'm getting a special audience here for an hour with Andrew McGahan Carl will get you later on like you're getting oh. a, a, it's, it's a great day a great Wednesday for all involved I have to say it is fairness it is but uh, yeah, Ashling Daly as well. She's fighting uh, Erica Almeida. Um, we don't know too much about Almeida. She had one fight. She lost the decision to Juliana Lima, but she was um, she's one of these people that came from jungle fights as well. So she, like that's pretty high level over there in Brazil. She was, I think she was seven and all before she came into the UFC. Um, this is a big fight for Ashling Daly as well. She she. Uh, she lost her last fight obviously after coming into the UFC with a win over Alex Chamber she lost to Ronda Marco so this is a big fight to get back on winning ways and you never know what the straw with division like it's so light that a couple of wins and for, for either of the girls and they could be up towards the top again so yeah it's a, it's a big fight should be a pretty good fight as well I think uh, Almeida she's a, she's a couple of submissions on her record so if, if this one goes to the ground it could be pretty exciting I have a couple of things to ask you about the straw with division the 115 division did you see Paige Van Zandt's comments yesterday yeah she she thinks that uh, yeah about the body types of 150 like I agree to I I do agree with her in in sense that guys like Siri you can tell make 125 pretty comfortably girls like Paige Van Zandt you can tell make 115 very comfortably as well it's their frame it's their build it's their natural body type you can see where she's coming from by saying there are some overly muscly uh, physiqued girls at 115 and they're going to be in a really bad position if they use IVs and stuff like that to rehydrate probably to the point of having to leave the UFC since there isn't a 125 pound division yeah I think people kind of took it out of context a little bit as well you know oh yeah it it wasn't that everybody's on steroids and I'm clean sort of rant but I do think she addressed some things that need to be looked at especially with the (coughs) SADA implementation coming in uh, for the IVs yeah, like in America, when you say something about someone's body like that, they tend to take it as like, oh, you're body shaming and all this sh- stuff. Like, I don't think she was doing that. I think she was more making a comment about, as you said there, like if you look at like Michelle Watterson, she's a 105 pounder. Like she's a genuine 105 pounder. And she had to obviously put on some weight, put on some muscle to get up to 115 pounds. Like that's not saying she's on drugs or anything that's saying like she actually like had to put in the work to get on to put on the way like if you look at Chad Mendes at 135 like or 145 like McGregor says he's probably 135 pounder like he probably is he's a smaller guy for that way you see how muscular he is like look at him compared to McGregor or Aldo like he's he's like a bodybuilder compared to them or like um Paige Van Zandt is she, like she's not huge or anything but she's kind of slender and taller compared to a lot of them like if you look at Tisha Torres who beat her she's another one she's pretty muscular she's kind of small and squat for the weight but yeah I, I think that was the point she was getting at more than anything else but um and as, finally have you seen well, what odds she is to beat 
she's fighting Alex yes. Chambers, isn't it? I, I was actually looking at it last night. I was picking out my bet of the week. Surely you have to pick Alex Chambers. Alex Chambers is eighteen to one to get a submission. Like her, she got she submitted someone in her last fight, I believe. I don't have it up in front of me now, but yeah, Alex Chambers is no. And she's Paige not, not is a great one fighter. to eighteen, or is she one to eight to win the fight? Um, she's. Well, let me just. She was minus sixteen hundred to win whatever that is in American battle lines. When I checked on Paddy Power, I think she was one to eight, maybe a little bit longer. I don't know. Yeah, she's um, she's minus one for minus one hundred and forty-five, which is like fourteen and a half to one on. So uh, like, that's and crazy, Alex Chambers like. is plus nine fifty. Like Alex Chambers is no world star superstar no. beater, but genuinely, I have said this before. I do think if Ashley Daly was mastered Paige Van Zant, it's a fight that she would definitely win. And this yeah. is from when I, we spoke before about hearing about Paige's ground uh, ground ability and stuff like that. That like the Herrig fight for me was Herrig blew that fight completely. Yeah. Some of the transitions that took place in that fight on the ground were scrappy, they were sloppy, both girls were tired. Van Zant was on the back foot, but Herrig was too tired to be able to actually capitalise on them. Bet of the week. I'm actually gonna open a Paddy Power account today, Sean, or wherever it is online that you got those ads odds. Yeah. And Alex Chambers is sending me to Vegas. Sixteen to one, she is by submission, I'm just looking at it here. <laughs> But Easiest like, 100 euro I ever lost. <laughs> uh, Paige Van Zandt, um, we'll, I suppose we can talk about it now and we'll get on to the rest of the car in a few minutes, but like Paige Van Zandt, what she's very good at is taking someone down, dominating them, landing a lot of uh, ground and pound. Like her, her game is improving. Obviously, as you said there, her transitions and stuff and like her, her submissions and her ability to finish fights. That It's coming along like, but it's obviously not where you'd want it to be yet. It's, it's still pretty... Um, pretty uh, not a novice kind of but she's only young like she's still young in her career but I think Alex Chambers she's she's dangerous off her back uh, relatively like she's no great shake either like I I think Paige Van Zandt will win this fight but I like what was it saying 16 to 1 to get a submission like if you have a fiver to throw away that you never want to see again I wouldn't mind putting it on that to be honest um, but yeah but we, we'll get on to that more again in, uh, when we talk about in the, the um in, in the, the 191 card in a few minutes um, just a brief couple of seconds and the tough lineup was announced during the week as well oh, um, I'm excited I don't Artem know Lavov. why um, not even Artem Lavov and I think it's genuinely because I know the people I know a lot of the people that are in the season do you know what I mean yeah. like first of all it's the right move sorry I had a tune <laughs> right then it was annoying me it's the right move for someone like Sean Carter uh, to go into tough because he can make 155 relatively easy but he's always looked fat at 155 for me this is a guy trying to get into the UFC probably with the intention of dropping down a division maybe even at the long shot of killing himself down to 135 do you know what I mean this is how these European guys want it so badly so I do think the the standard of those guys is going to be pretty good who else is in it Martin Svensson is in it uh, Saul Rogers is in it Artem uh, Sean Carter. Is there any other UK or Irish guy? Uh, UK guys? Uh, no, I don't think so. It. The rest are yeah. mainland. Yeah, a lot of guys from Cage Irish, obviously, in as well. So you know, a lot of them. The American cast, like obviously, we wouldn't be as familiar with them. But Ryan Hall is probably a guy you Unreal. know pretty well. Yeah. Honestly, that is that was one of the like I heard that he was trying out for tough, and then. Like I put a tweet up about it a while ago and I took it down because I didn't want people I didn't want to get in trouble in any way, shape or form. But I was like, it is really easy to find out who's in a season of tough. Because yeah. you know who's applied, you know who's tried out, and you know who hasn't tweeted since the eleventh of July or the twelfth of July sort of thing. So it's pretty easy to deduce who it was that was gonna be in that season from Europe. But Ryan Hall is the one that I am most excited for. For those that don't know, for those that want a bit of explanation on how good of his grappling is, 2009 ADCCs he took third place in a division that contains probably two of the best pound-for-pound -pound grapplers to have ever lived, Hafa Mendes and uh, Cobrinha, Rubens Charles. Just, he is an elite level grappler and he has ridiculously good leg locks. 50-50 position is pretty much his position, he's made it up. And he's mastered it. He has heel hooks from it, inside heel hooks, leg locks from it. Ryan Hall in the UFC is going to be a really, really good addition. I believe, if I'm right in saying this, he trains with Benson Henderson and um, Augusto Mendez, who's also known as Tanquinho. Um, 
the MMA two, lab, is it? The MMA lab. I think he has been training with those guys, doing some work with them, because uh, both of those guys actually competed at the ADCCs this weekend, and Ryan Hall was able to give a bit of an interview afterwards about why Tankinio was is that good and how he was able to beat so many people in ADCC. These guys working together, like Tankinio is a guy that I thought was going to try out for this tough as well. I think he's 4-0, 5-0 now in pro MMA. He is putting a good record together. It's finally good to see some jiu-jitsu guys, in my opinion, making a successful transition crossover to MMA instead of guys... like You can say Hodger Gracie had a pretty good transition, but when it came to the big leagues, shit himself completely. Um, guys like uh, Borelio Stima, who ended up breaking his neck like when he moved over to MMA. So it's... There hasn't been an influx of them yet, so I'm just really happy now that there is some guys, and especially guys that I like so much, that are making the transition. Yeah, sorry, Hall, sorry for boring you. Oh, did crazy. you watch ADCC? No, you didn't. No, I didn't, my fuck. Of course you didn't. Ryan Hall is... Ryan Hall's training in TriStars, I remember I heard that, yeah. Yeah, I can remember seeing that as well, but I think he has yeah. been, because he's friendly with uh, Tankinio. Yeah, so I think I'm he travelled sure around a bit. Yeah. But just, just my last jiu-jitsu thing for the day, I promise. If you haven't watched it, if you're looking for any sort of matches to watch from the weekend from ADCC, Vinny Magalish, uh, Twister, he, uh, Twister, someone, didn't unreal. He? First Twister in ADCC history. There's a guy uh, who trains under Eddie Bravo. His name is Giovanni Martinez. Uh, it's his first time in the ADCC. He pretty much walked out, heel hooked his first opponent, walked back out. He got to the day two, which is the last four. Um, unfortunately, he lost twice. He lost to Tankinio and then he lost the bronze medal match as well. But this is what I'm saying about um, these are the type of guys you want to be watching in jiu-jitsu. For example, the 99 kilo whatever division ADCC was pretty boring overall. You've, it's stalling, it's bad jiu-jitsu. But then you've got like Eddie Bravo's new guys coming in that are wrecking shop. It's the new style of jiu-jitsu. 10th Planet is coming back with a bit of a resurgence. And there was some really, really interesting matches. If you want to highlight, if you want a wow factor, something that was probably done in jiu-jitsu gyms up and down the country this week, Davi Ramos almost became only the third man in AD, fourth man in ADCC history to win his uh, to win the title with all submissions. Um, he lost, he drew with, uh, he won by decision I think against Gabriel Rollo. But Lucas Lepre is one of the top uh, grapplers in the world, and he flying armbarred him. It was the best thing ever. So Lepre was in. Oh, I saw that. And, yeah. yeah. Did you see it? He was in yeah. like a sit-up guard. Your man just plowed straight past him into an armbar. And that was it. He would have joined Crone Gracie, Hodger Gracie, and Marcelo Garcia as the only guys to win an ADCC, having submitted every opponent along the way. Good company. There you go. Good company. Right, before we get on to the next end, uh, just Artem Lobov. Like, it's great. Obviously, he was uh, he was trying to get into the UFC for a long time. It's great now to see him in uh, in tough. Obviously, we don't know how he got on or anything. If... Are these guys in the house or are they fighting? they're fighting to get into the house? So we don't even know if he's in the house yet, do we? Yeah, they have to um, fight to get into the house. But yeah. if you want to look at it from the point of view that he didn't tweet in such a long period of time, unless the UFC have something that if you don't get into the house, you need to, uh, you're need you not allowed to use social media for the duration of the season, Maybe. which I'm not too sure. Well, I remember when we were in Boston the first time and we watched Paddy's um, episode of The Ultimate Fighter. It was in a movie theatre. We had to sign a non-disclosure agreement oh, yeah. uh, to like the sum of a couple of million dollars that if you break this you're pretty much going to be sued for that much so who knows maybe the fighters have to undergo something like that as well I assume pretty big cast there will be fights to get into the house I'd be interesting to know if they have to fight the Europeans or if they have to fight the Americans I think it's like Europe fights America and all the, all the fights isn't it? Well, I think, but uh, what yeah, about like to it get is, into the cause... house if it's Team Europe versus Team America oh, yeah. maybe these guys have to fight each other to get in Oh yeah, that's actually a good point. Maybe I'm looking forward that. to seeing it. I am looking forward. Yeah, me to too. Seeing yeah. It. By all accounts, you see all the guys promoting it. Own Roddy's home, Sergey's home. They're all promoting it to the hilts. They're saying great season. I know they're obviously going to say that, but yeah. I'd say that was a very cool experience for um, for Roddy and all of those guys to be involved with that on the on the base floor. Like, yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, but one Bellator. last thing on it before one. we get on to Bellator Artem Lobov how do you think he's going to do is he going to get into the UFC is he guaranteed to get a fight in the UFC regardless of what happens in the season of tough has the hard work finally paid off for him you know for a man that for so long was being looked for to get into the UFC get your record straight get your record straight pull out after pull out nobody will fight him he was offering his own purse to get guys to fight him as well for me I think one of the most deserving guys to be able to give him his chance to prove that he can perform on the big stage 
Yeah, like we were talking about Syria earlier on, he's one of those guys that's exciting. You always want to watch him. I think Artem Lavov is one of them as well. Like obviously his record isn't that good, isn't that great. He's although in recent times it's improved a bit. Um, he's th- he's one of those guys. I think he's going to be exciting. Like win or lose in the house, if he's uh, one or two exciting fights. I'd say like he's pretty much locked to get into the UFC for a, a couple of you know coming out of the tough house. If you have take a bad loss, you might get caught or whatever. But if he can. If he can get into the UFC, have one one or two good fights, you could see him stick around as one of them. Like, um, I don't think he's going to be a champion or anything. I don't think he's going to be a top fifteen, top five fighter or anything like that. But he can be he can be one of those guys, one of those exciting lower level guys. Like, there's a lot of numbers around one forty five, one fifty five. Like, I could even see him fighting one thirty five, maybe. Um, oh, I think thirty five would be a stretch. I don't know. I think I've I've been saying maybe I'm wrong now, but. Maybe, but 145 anyway could fight. Um, there's I, a lot of interesting I, fights around. I have there. to say, I agree with you there, but he is also the type of guy that I would have no problem seeing jump into a top 15 lightweight fight and then he'd knock the guy out. That is Artem Lobov. He would, he, literally, could, yeah. he would literally take a fight short notice, thrash the guy, and then lose a frustrating decision in his next yeah. fight against someone, someone, half as good, someone yeah. with a game plan sort of thing to try and stifle his ability. Lobov is one of the most unpredictable fighters. Like the UFC fans from the states are that. Like the way we talk about Siri, they're in for the same sort of treat. I think with Artem, it's going to be pretty good to watch unfold. Yeah, definitely. Okay, uh, Bellator did an event. We just we just put in a couple of seconds and we got into questions in a while. Uh, Bell did an event at the weekend. Um, one thirty or one forty one. Melvin Gillard came back. Um, Lost. He lost. He lost it as split. What did decision. you think? Did he actually deserve to win it, or was it a fair uh, no. split? He didn't deserve the split decision. He should have lost the unanimous decision. I was watching it. Um, he broke his hand in the fight, though. So maybe you can, maybe you can uh, use that as a as an excuse for him. To me, he looked shot. To be honest, but obviously, that was, I was thinking that during the fight when I didn't know he had the broken hand. So maybe look, given the benefit of the doubt, give him one more fight in Bellator. He made weight pretty well and stuff. He seems to have his head maybe back on a little bit, but you <laughs> would know. <laughs> yeah. I, I can remember. He made weight anyway. He made weight. I can remember seeing Melvin Gillard and his wife, or whoever it was, girlfriend, whatever, side Sorry. chick, side main chick, side piece, whatever, uh, in Manchester when he was fighting there in the lobby, and he just from listening to him talk, he like he was like FaceTiming someone, and I heard him just. The stuff he was saying, like, seemed like he wasn't interested at all, like, yeah. and that's disappointing because I think we're seeing a real life example of a guy that had had something at his fingertips at one point in his career was close, but through whatever reasons, generally, like, one of the things I asked him, I remember that week, something that um, I I had always heard about was that ATT fighters, there's this flag in ATT, yeah. which is blood covered sweat covered piss covered vomit covered but the fighters walk out with it have you ever noticed that the fighters have yeah, it yeah. around their neck I've been folks in the story about it that's the yeah, that's the ATT flag I asked Melvin first fight under ATT are you going to be carrying the flag out what flag and I was just like oh you know what I mean this probably isn't going to end too well it's a guy Jim Hopping Jim Hopping I've no idea do you know where he's training now full time I don't know uh, I, I wish him the best because he's an exciting fighter he brings it and he's a certain style that can win people in like I'd like to see him go out in a win I'd like to see him take take one more win in Bellator and then see us later go out on that I yeah, don't, don't want to see it get worse like. yeah, a couple of years ago like he was on a roll of like he won like 9 out of 10 or something like that or 8 out of 9 and they were talking about giving him a title shot and he got choked out Joe Lausanne came in and shot out or something like that Joe Lausanne choked him out anyway and it's just been a total downward spiral from there he lost he lost to Jamie Varner I think he I lost, have it here uh, he lost to Dr. Nate Sorrell. Diaz in 2009 but then he won 2, 3, 4, 5 in a row yeah. and then lost to Lausanne and then yeah, lost was- to uh, Miller yeah, it was just for the loans on fight. They were talking about giving him a title shot, but yeah, it just went all down here. Back in like, the days when beating Evan Dunham was a big thing, <laughs> when Evan Dunham was the next hero of one fifty five. Oh my yeah. God! Did I tell you about the boards that I posted that I found of myself? No. Uh, the, how I started out in all of this was on a radio show in Dundalk FM. It was called Punching and Crunching, 
and um, oh my god I can remember posting on boards they were looking for someone I was like yeah, blah 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 oh I'll send it to you it's the most cringeworthy thing in the world but I said George Sadaropoulos was going to be the lightweight champion within two years <laughs> he was good though he won like 10 in a row didn't he? I know he was he was great that was around the time Evan Dunham as well people were thinking like this guy is the next big thing hold yeah. on to your hats guys Evan Dunham is the shit Evan Dunham's not a bad fighter like he still isn't that bad but he's just he's not a next level fighter like he's in, he's not on the, the likes of um Pettis or Vincent Henderson or any of those. And like you could say the same about Melvin Gillard. He's the type of guy he never like he's always a good striker and stuff, but his wrestling and his grappling were always deficient. Like Lozan chalked him out pretty easily. I'm looking at here, Jim Miller chalked him out as well. Like, I don't know. He he was one of those guys he never moved on. As you said, helping Jim's wasn't easy. Like he tried to come back to Greg Jackson's gym and they wouldn't let him back and stuff. So yeah, it's tough for him, but I don't know. I don't think he's gonna go anywhere else, to be honest. But Speaking the rest of the Bellator card, Justin Rin was on it. Obviously, a great guy. Um, that that prick Jeremy Bottle wrote the story about him. A great story. Uh, that was a joke, by the way. Jeremy's a great. I man. can a prick but, uh, write a great story. I don't <laughs> understand it. I can do it like I do it all the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, humble yeah. brag. Humble brag. Yeah. But uh, he's a great guy. Obviously, he's been. To, if you haven't looked up his story, definitely look up that Bottle story. But he's been on a lot of podcasts and stuff as well. He was over in the Congo working with uh, these pygmies. They're um, the fight for the forgotten he calls it um, he does a lot of charity work with them he goes over and lives with them digs wells and stuff like that so it was great to see him come back obviously he fought in uh, Tough 10 I think it was the, the one with Brendan Schaub and Ryan Nelson and Kimbo and all those guys yes he's in Tough obviously he's doing well in Bellator now the fight the fight wasn't great like you I think he was what, three or four years out of the cage the guy he fought was a bit of a journeyman so it wasn't great but uh, yeah it's nice to see him getting in there and uh, getting his uh Getting his word out, but uh, Marlos Coonan fought in it as well. Picked up a good win, wasn't a great fight. Um, and uh, Pitbull Ferrer fought as well. But Bellator now they're coming into one of their tin pole events, they have this big fight. Um, Manny Newton is fighting, um, uh, who's many? It's Lytton Vassell, Manny Newton, Phil Davis, and King Mo. Uh, King Mo is fighting. Um, Nitin Vassell and Manny Newton is fighting Phil Davis on the one night tournament and then um, Floyd Mayweather is what I call him Tito Ortiz is fighting Liam McGeary <laughs> were you about to call Tito Ortiz Tito Floyd Mayweather Floyd Mayweather yeah the I don't know where that came from yeah but that, that's a big event for them obviously their champions uh, McGeary is on their champions Vitaly Minikov Pitbull Will this Brooks, isn't the same like one that. with uh, Glory is it yeah that's the one with Glory oh, this as well, the, yeah. the one that's going to have yeah Funnily enough, Martin Horgan from Cage Kings posted a picture of it the other day and was kind of hinting at how cool it would be to see something like that in Ireland in the future. If anyone's able to do it, that man could do it in Cork. He could put a tie ring and an, and an octagon in the same place and he would have three and a half thousand people at it. Or just have like different fights in the same ring. Have kickboxing in, a, in an octagon. Or a yeah, well, no, that's what they did at the last one. They had... Um, yeah cage tie and stuff like that in the octagon and K1 fights in the octagon but that Bellator Dynamite show to be honest that graphic makes me excited there, there, I'm pretty sure 99.9% there won't be fights going on simultaneously oh no there won't no. yeah okay grand but like how are you going imagine if you're sitting between the two between the cage and the ring like you are, good, are they going to have swivel chairs or like if you're sitting at the other side of the cage or the other side of the ring how, like how are you going to see it monitors Sean we're in the future um, we've got monitors shit, like, it's just a, I think it's a terrible idea I don't know well I look I think it's going to happen once I don't think it'll ever happen again to be honest but what do you think of the state of Bellator now like we're maybe a year or so into the Scott Coker regime exciting what? yeah exciting yeah it pretty is go on no go on you this is something I think we're going to see more of in the future yeah. I was up in uh, Next Generation Northern Ireland last week doing some interviews ahead of Bama I was talking to Alan Philpott and he says Bama is where he wants to go or Bellator you mean sorry Bellator Jesus Christ yeah no Bellator he like that's his that's what he wants he wants to be able to make enough money good money do you know what I mean yeah over his pro career he said there's a lot of negativity going on about the UFC with the kit deals the low pay for entry level fighters look at someone like Alan though he will be able to get good sponsors and um, even now, I think he could go in and be competitive at, at Bellator's yeah. 135 division. I don't know why more Irish uh, MMA fighters 
aren't going down that line. Someone like Philip Mulpeter could be a star in Bellator for his fighting mm-hmm. style. Someone like Artem Lobov probably could have got into Bellator very handily in the past. And whether or not, like, there was, was a great story a couple of years ago floating around that Bellator were on the verge of signing a deal with Satanta Sports in order to broadcast. It was just around the time Connor had signed with the UFC and Bellator wanted to get into the UK and Ireland. And they were uh, hanging their hanging their hat as you'd say on two guys Connor Cook and Alan Philpott winning and they were going to be signed to Bellator at the time so if that had happened Cook ended his opponent ended up pulling out and he lost to a guy from Molnar who stepped in and Alan Philpott didn't make weight for the fight against Lee Ramirez. the word on the street at the time was if both of those guys had a won they were being put straight into Bellator and Bellator were going to be doing a show over here as part of their Satanta sport pack boom there you go yeah I think that's a good idea. Like, I think Phil it's Pot probably good... bullshit though, because John Ferguson yeah. told me that story, so it is absolutely, <laughs> definitely not true. Well, I think, like, as you said, Phil Mulpeter. Like, I thought I always thought Artem Lavov would be a good fit for Bellator, um, but obviously he's at you in the tough now. But um, yeah, Phil Mulpeter, or like, just or um, Alan Philpot is a good fit. Obviously, if uh, if he can win his fight in in Bama in a couple of weeks and. There's a couple of more guys as well around there. Maybe Chris Fields even he could he could do a bit of damage there in that uh, light heavyweight or the middleweight division over in Bama. So yeah, but yeah, or in Bellator, sorry. But I think there's there's so many rumors going around now about UFC fighters coming to the last fight of their career. Ben Henderson ben is going to happen. That's what I was going to say. Junior dos Santos. I think there's going to be guys testing free agency in a big way. Yeah. And I think that there are. Um, I don't blame them at all. Do you know, like, why shouldn't a fighter be able to find out what he's worth? Do you know what I mean? If this helps improve the UFC pay scale, or what people perceive to be the bad part of it, the UFC pay scale, then I'm all for it. Do you know what I mean? What is stop? And but then you could have the negative side with the UFC draw out a guy's contract, maybe. And um, is there like, is there something in contracts saying how often a guy has to fight, or can the UFC be like, no, nah, uh. can't get you matched right now. Give us a call in six months. There yeah. is, but it's could the UFC do not. something like that to stall out guys from leaving to go into Bellator? Ben That's Henderson what Matt be, has been saying. Yeah. Ben Henderson would be huge for Bellator. Ben yeah. Henderson would make serious money in Bellator as well. Like if you believe Tim Kennedy saying that he made more money from one sponsor in Strike Force ahead of the entire UFC card a couple of weeks ago, uh, their purses combined. Why aren't these guys going to be wanting like no sponsor tax in Bellator? They can take anybody on. Do you know what I mean? Not limited to who you can bring in. Better pay by the look of it as well. Like Bellator, Scott Coker is a very, very smart man. I think there's going to be a pretty good year, couple of years ahead for Bellator. Yeah, Bellator has quickly turned from the place that you don't want to be there because you'll never get into the UFC to I want to be there because I'm going to get a lot of pay and a lot of people are going there. Like I think it's it's turning that way quickly. The only problem is how long is that sustainable for like when when strike force went there was big rumors of it uh struggling for money being in huge debt when Coker had to had to sell allegedly you know we don't that isn't uh i don't think uh that that's official or anything but there were there was rumors going around how long like is uh our spike going to be putting money into uh into bellator before these things have to stop like the only problem i see for bellator sorry yeah. Is um, and it's why they passed up on Fader, I believe, is that the UFC are a drawn known entity on pay per view that they can pull out the numbers. They have the like Fedor signing with Bellator might do them two hundred thousand. Fedor at the UFC can do the UFC over a million. Is that yeah. a fair enough thing to say? I think yeah, if Bellator yeah. find their place in the market, become the cable TV, you know, the couple of pay per views a year instead of going full pay per view, blown scale model. Because for what it's worth. Put, put money on this three or four years Bellator will be like the WWE Network and have subscription based with all of their pay-per-views on it because the, if you believe the signs bar the exceptions of Conor McGregor Ronda Rousey the pay-per-view market is generally on the downside in America uh, overall it's come back again now it seems this year to be uh, picking yeah. up a little bit maybe that's to do with the UFC's uh, fights not falling apart better promotion better advertising and um, more compelling fights as main events yeah. such as Moose Johnson <coughs> which yeah. we haven't even spoke about which kind of kind, which kind of proves my point completely <laughs> that we've gone 48 minutes into recording a podcast and haven't mentioned the champion that is fighting in the very 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 immediate uh, future that was planning that was planning we're going to talk about him now 
let's do it. Mighty Mouse Johnson. You I love, love him. him. I, I love him as a fighter. Like I think he's the best pound for fighter in the world. But I can also understand why he isn't a draw and why like if you're not a connoisseur of the sport, is there any reason to watch the Mighty Mouse Johnson or to like him? Like he's okay, his fighting style, like I find it very good. Like I you probably find it very good. A lot of people find it good, but like it's not that exciting really. I know he gets a few finishes, he gets knockouts and submissions and stuff, but like I don't know, it's a, it's not like he's a small guy and that, that definitely is a part of it. Um <laughs> like I don't know. I wrote a story yesterday about I compared him with Paul Scholes. Like Paul Scholes was an unbelievable player. Like he he was probably the best player in that the great Man United team for like years. He scored goals. He great passer, brilliant tackler. Um, <laughs> but you actually were able to say that without <laughs> sounding sarcastic. I, I that's the thing with me. Like Paul Scholes could tackle, but no, like he, he didn't. He could. He did it on purpose. Like do you he, think it was the start every game? Watch watch any of his games. Every game, every time he got a yellow card, it was in the first ten minutes of a game. And he'd never get one after that. Like Paul Scholes only been sent off maybe two or three times in his whole United career. People know he was there. Was he, it? he was a small guy. He wanted to let people know he was there, and he did. Look at other. Look at the rest of the games. He tackled. He won the balls. He's a great tackler of a ball. He just he did it on purpose. Like I fully believe that. But like he was like, I compared him to Demetrius Johnson. Like he's a quiet guy. Didn't really do interviews. Like, do you know if Paul Scholes has a wife? Do you know if he's children? Like, I have no idea. Like, what's he like? What's he like normally? We don't know. Like, Demetrius Johnson, obviously, he does more interviews and stuff because the UFC forced him. But really, really don't. Didn't want anything about him. Yeah. Like, what? what is Demetrius Johnson? Like, we know him and stuff, but he's not that exciting. He's just a normal guy. Like, he's, he, like, he's not this Conor McGregor type of guy who's going to be. Like who's gone out riding in Ferraris with Dana White and like taking pictures with Snoop Dogg and stuff? He's not, he's not Ronda Rousey going out filming, uh, doing films and hanging around with Jimmy Kimmel and you know he's he's just after he finishes training he goes home he plays with his kids and plays a bit of uh, Xbox and he goes to bed like he's not that exciting. He's that's the type of guy he is, and like that's okay. I'm okay with that, and like I don't I, I know think, though. I like fair enough. It's not up to him. To completely promote himself, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or to be like that. And people can't even hide behind the fact that he's a born fighter, considering in his title fights, he's finished four four title fights, hasn't he? He beat Moraga, su- submitted Moraga, uh, submitted Cariasso, submitted Haraguchi, and who did he knock out? Uh, Joseph Benavides. He knocked out Joseph Benavides. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And that's as well as the couple of decision wins over Benavides before, McCall and stuff like that. To be honest, out of everybody in the division, Dodson is the one guy. I thought Dodson criminally underperformed in the last fight. I thought it was a little bit too soon for him as well. This could be a chance. This is this could be the actual turning point of the fight because we're going to see how much Dodson has improved. And now maybe people are going to appreciate Demetrius Johnson a little bit more for, oh wait, this guy is actually probably one of the best fighters in the world. I don't uh, like. I think Put him people up against Neil pretty... Seary see how brave he is, huh? <laughs> in in Finglas or somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think um, I don't think it's ever going to change him. To be honest, I don't think he's ever <laughs> going to be a draw. Like I think, as you said there, I think he hasn't been um, hasn't been promoted well. Like Demetrius Johnson shouldn't be headlining pay per views. He should be on the undercard. Like put him as a com- well, like, they don't, that, But I was we talked about it last week. They don't want to do that. They don't want to, like if you put him as a call main event to Conor McGregor or to a heavyweight title fight or to. Ronda Rousey even like is he going to stink the place out like is he going to bore the place like I know for me and you he's not going to do it but for there's like, a, a lot potential of fans of going, yeah do you want people booing when you're going into your main event Demetrius so, Johnson like, should be the Fox caliber fighter I think yeah, the Fox sh- mainstay he should be but they don't want to put fights like that in Fox either they don't want to have have um, people Matt booing Brown and stuff versus Fox, a yeah. chainsaw so, or something like that where do you put him like you I think they have found a place for him. They put him on those these pay per views that they're not expecting to do good. That they just they're going to break even on it, so they can uh, they can put big fights on the rest of them. And I think that's where he's going to be. But on Demet- on John Dodson, I watched the first fight. I was doing my preview the other day. Um, I think he performed well enough in the first fight. He knocked uh, DJ down a couple of times. Big power, obviously. He's he's the biggest power of anyone in the division. Uh, he's had a couple of injuries and stuff since. 
I don't think he's improved that much since um, he, like his last fight um, was it against um, Zach Makovsky I believe um, yeah it was at the card when all of the yeah. flyweights fought each other that we were thinking who's going to fight next yeah and like I thought Zach Makovsky won that fight I, I haven't watched it back but I think he did it was a close fight anyway I don't think Donaldson has improved that much and I think Mighty Mouse has improved an awful lot since the first time they fought to be honest I think this is going to be a cakewalk for Demetrius I think he's going to win the decision he's going to win a lot easier than he won it last time there we go yeah. excellent call to be honest I'm picking Demetrius as well I think it's yeah. going to be put up to him though a little Ed Dodson I think is the one that can can maybe that's just me believing the UFC hype machine or the stuff that I'm seeing on Twitter that they're trying to kind of make every challenger that he has look like someone that could beat him so maybe that's my point of view I just um, I got a phone call there I missed it but I sent my friend a text in and podcast and what's up and he said happy anniversary XX we've known each other for 10 years <laughs> because uh. the secondary schools are all back now in oh, the yeah. dock, so that's when I would have uh, first met him oh that's cool that's nice unreal okay the rest, just oh, talk about the rest I of the card well no because you see I am under time we, we may have to move on to questions yeah. I uh, I have to be in Dublin in an hour and 20 minutes from now cool so the only reason uh, <clears throat> I have one shout out today first of all Dave Fogarty was on I was at work this morning doing a photo call with Paddy Ash Cahill and Norman um, somewhere in Dublin taking pictures he felt he said he felt like a little celebrity would you believe yeah yeah the fighters knew him the fighters were chatting to him saying hello the other photographers were coming up being like do you actually know them and Dave's like uh, no I just take their pictures a good bit and then they were like oh wow wow but he told me this girl told him she's a photographer Kerry Rowan she's not a big MMA fan but she listens to the podcast nice with Andrew and Sean she's a big fan so thank you Kerry for that um, we did kind of talk about the rest of the card though. We talked about Mir Narlowski We talked about Vans Anthony Chambers Anthony Johnson and Jimmy Manoa though That's Can't off wait. isn't it? Uh, what do you mean off? No I thought No never mind no, They were supposed else. to be um, Anthony Johnson was supposed to be fighting John Blackovich yeah. yeah, and they put um, Manoa I can't wait for this fight I really can't I, like, this is, I, I tweeted it maybe three or four weeks ago Just like a couple of weeks before the Mano has put into this fight that I want Mano in those fights. I want him fighting Anthony Johnson. I want him fighting Rampage. I want him fighting Maldonado, Dan Henderson, guys like that. Yeah. It depends I mean, on I who shows up, though. It depends yeah. on if Anthony Johnson or Orlando Lee shows up. <laughs> Do you get it? No. No. I'll explain. He was, uh, he was in Warrior. Do you not remember that? Oh, film? Warrior. Yeah. Orlando Lee was the name of his, was that his, his character. Name? Yeah. Oh, okay. One of the greatest mixed mod. Well, actually. <laughs> Probably not, only a, good. probably not a yeah probably not a big list to choose from <laughs> no. but um, no. I think this is a certified execution for Jimmy Manoa for Manoa? yeah oh, oh, oh he's going to be executed? yeah oh yeah he could be but I was talking about it I was talking to Patrick about it there my brother yesterday this fight is going to be really good for as long as it lasts I think it's one of those fights I think could last four minutes around one could go into the second round maybe I think it's going to be really good I think Manoa people underestimate Manoa on the feet um, the guys he has fought haven't been that good obviously he got beaten by Gustafsson um, I think he's he's an elite fighter on the feet he's, he's some of the best uh, power shots in the whole of the UFC if he catches with Anthony Johnson on them like it could turn his whole career around Obviously, Anthony Johnson is the favourite, but I'm really, really looking forward to this fight. There's going to be letter fucking exchange in the pocket. I'm going to throw it out there. It's going to be Ronry, yeah. I'm going to throw it out there. Carl Moore would beat Jimmy Manoa. Ah, uh, here. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Carl Moore would beat Jimmy Manoa. I'm just putting it out there, just saying it, just leaving it at that. Yeah, I'm picking. I'm going to remember this episode 32. This once we're on like episode 132, and Carl Morris in the UFC mashed up with Jimmy Manor. I'm going to play this sound clip again. Nice. There we go. Have we got any questions before we go? We do. Uh, oh, just one. Oh, go on. Two, two fights. Uh, oh, Felder Pierce, and Pearson. Pearson yeah, and Felder. Jesus, sorry. Unbelievable. We picking on that Felder. Felder, yeah. Well, actually, no. Like Ross Pearson, it, I think this is a fight that actually suits Ross Pearson. Yeah. Um. From the way that he trains, the way that he fights, um, I've seen it on uh, Tommy Quinn's Instagram. Like Ross Pearson is a slick striker in training. We've seen him be a good striker. Like he, 
that Evan Dunham fight was so frustrating to watch. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But now that you're putting him up against a guy that's going to stand, that's going to trade, that won't go the Evan Dunham way of the fight, I think Ross Pearson could get back on track with a win here. However, Felder is the guy everybody's talking about. You know, the fucking, what was it you said before? He throws spinning back fist feints just to punch the guy in the face. Like, <laughs> yeah. absolutely amazing. If these guys get to stand and trade and exchange some great shots, we're in for a fight of the year contender. Yeah. Um, that, that's actually the first question we got from Colin Moore. Do you think, do you think, um, do you think Felder can get the finish? And... Um, I think he can finish him. I don't think he will finish him. I think he, he would be able to finish Pearson. Pearson's getting on a little bit. Maybe uh, not able to take as many shots as he would have been in the past. Felder's the young gun up and coming. Has unbelievable power. Could see him wearing him down with body shots and kind of tiring him out relatively quickly in the fight if he chooses to pinpoint and focus on the body. But otherwise... For me, this is a toss-up. I can see it going either way. I can see Ross Pearson re-emerging as himself into the division, coming back from a bad loss. Or I could see Felder just completely steamrolling him. I'm sitting on the fence completely in this one because I don't know who to pick. Yeah. I'm sorry. I think Felder will knock him out. I uh, really. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't. Yeah, I think he will. Fuck it. I think Felder will hmm. knock him out. Okay. Um, as we were speaking about a minute ago, Patrick asked there, if Aldo pulls out of the fight again with Conor McGregor and they put in Frankie Edgar, do you think he'll be moved to come in event? Who will be moved to come in event? The McGregor Edgar fight. Oh no way! But I I usually say no straight away. But you have Weidman and and Rockwald. I think Connor would. <laughs> for forgive me for saying this, but I don't think Connor would let the UFC do that. As, <laughs> that that's as, the point. As, yeah, like, I don't think they do. That sounds. Yeah. I don't think that they're going to do that. I think that look at it long term point of view. Is Chris Weidman going to get himself to the superstar level of Conor McGregor? No. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. there like, you I think go. Last, I think last time there was really no question. I think this time it's worth asking the question, but I don't think it'll happen. Like, I don't I don't think it'll be uh, moving to... Same like, managers as well. What do you think Audi Attar is going to want a uh, main event of that fight? Yeah, exactly. Um, Stephen O'Shea asked there, who would you like to be guest fighters at UFC Dublin? Um, hopefully it's not just the fighters that aren't on the card but more than likely it'll be Dan Hardy because <laughs> he'll be yeah. there anyway um, maybe Paul Felder I think that could be a good shout obviously Marcus Davis would have to be brought out <laughs> the original Irish MMA hero Forrest Griffin uh, gr without a doubt Forrest Griffin will be there he'll be hammered he'll be drinking with Irish fans <laughs> all through the week he loves it uh, Joanne Call it'll be your standard affair like there's not going to be anything mad there's not going to be Chael Sonnen well definitely not now as he's the World Series commentator we'll have to talk a little bit about that next week um, I don't know who do you think? I think they usually bring out someone um, from their division I could see Max Holloway there they usually like to bring like um, someone from McGregor's division I could see um, someone from the lightweight division as well maybe um Who's the champion like Rafa? It won't be Real Sanders. I could see maybe Anthony Pettis, maybe someone like that. I think Jose Aldo. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think McGregor will be there? Oh yeah. McGregor sorry, be, sorry, sorry. How, yeah. Conor McGregor will be the guest fighter for UFC. Them more than likely he will be doing the Q and A. Yeah, they have like five of them though, so or like four or five of them. So there's probably going to be a couple. Um, if that if they have a Q and A with McGregor, that's going to fucking sell out the auto. Like, yeah. how, how are they going to have the? That will sell out the way in, like. Yeah. It'll be unbelievable. The Conor McGregor effect. Speaking yeah. of which, hopefully those of you listening managed to secure your tickets this morning. If you did, send us a picture on Twitter. Hashtag SevierPod with a question for next week. I want to see how many of the listeners... At SevierPod even. At, at SevierMMAPod, is it? SevierMMAPod, yeah. That's it. Just want to see how many people are going to go there. Sean and I are in preliminary discussions with multiple big capacity venues around Dublin about hosting a meet and greet for the famous Sean Sheehan around UFC Dublin. More on that coming soon. But we would like to meet up with a lot of people that have listened to the podcast, shared it, sent us nice things about it around the time of the fight. So let us know if you're going. Let us know if you got your tickets today. And best of luck to the rest of those throughout the week um, that are going to be trying to get tickets on the regular sales. Because there's going to be a lot of upset people, I think, come Friday morning. Yeah. Here's our last question. So speaking of MMA fans and stuff from Will Martin, friend of the podcast. What's the most annoying thing for you about MMA fans? 
Um, I love MMA fans. I'm not Me gonna too. lie, because yeah. like we're all MMA fans, really. Like you know what yeah. I mean? We're all losers together. Put it that way. But I do hate people that say they train. <laughs> oh yeah, I did do a bit of it myself. You know that sort of thing. Yeah. I fought a couple of times. That would be my irked. Or like maybe that's just me being a snob because I do jiu-jitsu and I'm alright with that I'm alright if that makes me a snob but that would be my argument yours? Uh, you know, I hate MMA fans saying they hate MMA fans oh yeah you're an ultimate hipster hashtag MMA fans you're a fucking MMA fan what the fuck? <laughs> I, I hate that you, sp- you, know, you spend t- 12 hours a day tweeting about MMA and you're you you hate MMA fans. You're Ooh. fucking MMA, MMA fans. MMA oh, fans are the about? worst. Oh Jesus, I hate that. I hate that. <gasps> like, Rage. <laughs> I I also hate like you can say stuff about fighters, like you can tweet it out, but like don't tag them on Twitter like if you want to say, Oh like Yeah, you know, I say don't like, like Dustin Parry Dustin Parry is a dick or stuff Jesus, like that. Jesus that I don't know, but like I don't know. Anyone like name a fighter like oh Stephen Miocic got knocked out. He got it. That was a bad knockout. Don't like tag Stephen Miocic. Like you can make the point, but you don't have to tag him in it. Like yeah, to remind him. Like it's not. You're not being like a pussy by not tagging him in it. Like you're just leave the person it's alone. Courtesy. Like you can yeah. make the point without fucking. That. And the worst as well is when people that tag. My daughter's first day of school today. Any chance for a retweet? <laughs> I don't mind that. That's not too bad. That's okay. Uh, but no. I, like, say if I I made a comment now about uh, oh um oh yeah I think I think that was a flies and tags yeah. a minute yeah I think that was a bad display it. like I think that was a I think that was an average performance uh you, like uh, you probably expect to do better I'm like oh you like when Carl Pendred called you. <laughs> Carl Pendrick called me out, did he? No, he didn't. Do you remember when he, uh, he, we were talking about the podcast? Like, Carl Pendrick, oh, yeah. friend of the podcast. I'm going to be exactly. grilling him about it now. I'm going to be saying, look, I know you're a fan. Anything you want to say in this interview? Remember, he sent he sent a tweet. He was like, I'm sure Sean wasn't actually telling me what I should do about my yeah, striking. Exactly, he's just yeah. offering. Like, Carl takes that well. Like, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, he takes it very well. Like, he's well used to it, this editor. He gets more abuse than nearly anyone. I've got a surprise for the Carl Pendrick interview. Yeah, I know about keep, it. Keep your eyes on Severe MMA later on today. Or if you're listening to this now and you haven't seen the Pendred interview, head on over and check it out. Interview at Norman Park as well coming up. If you want to get in touch with us between the next week, you can send your questions, your thoughts, your queries to at SevereMMAPod on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with us directly, at Sean Sheehan BA, at Andrew McGatton underscore. You might as well give him a follow. He's on holidays at the minute. He is in the best place in the world, pizza and bowling in Italy in the one venue, at Pizzi Carol. Or if you want to keep all things SevereMMA related, Keep updated at all times at Severe MMA on Twitter. Sean, I think that's it. Any plans for today? I'm going to do a barbecue now. We're just about to do it. In five so. degree weather? Yeah. Oh, it's going to be brilliant. I'm about to break several speed limits. I have to interview Kyle Pender in one hour and 15 minutes. Hopefully, you all have a great week. You enjoyed the fights this weekend. And until then, see you next week. Excellent. That's a much better podcast. When I actually want to do this, <sighs> it's great. That wasn't, that was very enjoyable. I think that was one of our best ones so far. I agree with that. Um, Right, I have to run. My stuff's in the car already. All right, good luck. See you later. Bye.